Praise God. Moving on into the new season or the new journey that would be ahead of us and and in getting prepared for that. We um, talked the last week about how Jesus was sending us into the new journey, 2015. And in looking at scripture, how when Jesus sent forth the 12 and then sent forth the 70, how he told them to go forth into the world. And he also said to beware of men. He told us how we should act in terms of shaking the dust off our sandals and so on like that. We, we talked about the journey for 2015 for some being a physical move and for some being a spiritual move. But in either case, we will be journeying forward in the year 2015. In taking that journey, we also need to be reminded and remember that very similar to Israel when they left Egypt, uh, Pharaoh had a change of heart and wanted to bring Israel back into Egypt. Remember that? And so, in essence, the devil went to get them to bring them back into their old life, to bring them back into the old way of life. Many of them, when they were in the wilderness, actually said, gee whiz, would it have been better for us to die in Egypt? You remember that? And he said, gee whiz, Moses, what are you doing with us out here in this new land and new world and this, in this wilderness, this new place? Maybe we'd be better off to go back. Well, so it can be in our lives in the year 2015 where the devil will start putting pressure on you and start hoping that maybe you'll shut your eyes and lose your faith in God and just want to collapse and give in to the way it was in 2014. You know, and many times if that happens, you forget about the fact of how much you were blessed in 2014. But when that happens, you forget about the blessings and you start focusing on all of the bad stuff. You know, so he would tend to want to bring you back into, into the old world. So we know that we're not going to go that way, and we know that we have to continue to move forward. Psalms 119, verses 133 to 34 says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. Maybe, matter of fact, let's turn there. Psalms 119, verse 133. 133 and 134, okay? Jesus told us that he would be sending us forth as sheep among wolves. So that means in each year that we start this new journey, you know, which, which most folks call the new year, and, you know, we spiritually know that at the, every physical thing that happens, there is a spiritual link to it. So we know that this is a new journey for us in 2015. So in Psalms 119, 133, and 134, it says, and just highlight it, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man. So will I keep thy precepts. So will I keep thy precepts. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the ways the enemy can get us off our game is through control. One of the ways the enemy, through man, can get us off of our game in Jesus is through control. We can see this in what is called a Jezebel spirit that is very much in operation today. So today we're going to talk about control and Jezebel spirit. And Jezebel spirit is a reality. If you want to, if you want to do some research, it's not just a theory. I mean, you want to do some research, uh, Google it on a good Christian website. Of course, make sure you're finding a good Christian, Christian website. And, and look up Jezebel spirit, Jezebel spirit, and you'll see some very, um, very good, good study material on it. But we're going to look at this spirit and how it, it seeks to exert control over us today. 
There are many kinds of people with a controlling spirit, and that's what we're going to focus on here today. Because if anyone would try to get us off of the Word of God and away from what God wants us to do in 2015, and many times it will be through other people. So there are many kinds of people with a controlling spirit, and they desire to control everyone around them for their own purposes and gain. They want to be in control. But whether it is in a marriage, the ministry, in interpersonal relationships, or work, there are controlling personalities and spirits that seek to bring other people under their power, position, and influence. Many men have tried to do this, even leaders over nations, like Hitler or Stalin. All dictatorships and all such people seek to control everyone that is around them. But these spirits are well around us, are all around us. They are working in businesses, homes, and even in churches. Men over men or women, women over women or men, constantly working to bring and keep others in bondage to them and to their whims, all right? So while it's called a Jezebel spirit, and we will see why, the Jezebel spirit does not have to be driven by or, or influenced in, in a female. A Jezebel spirit can also be present, be present in a male, all right? It is simply that individual that is giving in to that spirit that wants to be in control of everyone and everything. And when you think about it moving forward in the year 2015, and what God has said is, is true, as we talked last, night, uh, last week, and as in some of the prayers that came forth too, in guiding us for 2015, there will be those that will be there that will try to pervert or, or divert God's will in your life. Jesus said, I send you out as sheep among the wolves. So we need to understand that if that is the case, that there is also very much that Jezebel spirit that is very much alive today, and it dwells in those people that would like to control you and get you out of the will of God. That spirit is, like I said, it's prevalent in businesses, it's prevalent in marriages, in relationships, it's, it's, it's prevalent in schools, amen, amen, and even in churches. We have seen Jezebel spirit rise up in some other ministries and wind up dividing, dividing the pastor from the elders and the elders from the deacons and so on. So the Jezebel spirit can be in your homes. It can be, be in those that are around you. So we want to see how that functions today, how, how it works. Amen. Let's start by going to 1 Kings, the first book of Kings. You see, this is a, uh, it, it's a spirit that is little, little understood because it, it, it works in such subtle ways, even though, it's, uh, even though its effects can often be devastating. Its effects can be devastating once it is overlooked and one does not see what's going on until it is too late. So we need to recognize what the Word of God is, uh, is, is telling us. And if we don't hear and don't understand what the Word of God is telling us, then that many times that is the case because we simply are not reading the Word of God and we're not praying. And we fail to see that there is a controlling spirit merely because the person with that controlling spirit is someone that we know or someone that we love even. Amen? Amen? But if they're trying to control, then you have to really pray about what is that person, what is that person up to. So 1 Kings chapter uh, 16, and we're going to go to verse number 28. 1 Kings 16, verse number 28. So Omri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria, and Ahab his son reigned in his stead. 
And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all who were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as his wife Jezebel. Please underline that he took as his wife Jezebel, the daughter of of Ephbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Please underline, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. So he married Jezebel and decided to to follow and serve Baal and worship Baal. Baal is a demonic god that was uh, um, prevalent very very much enforced back in those those years. Um, verse 32. And he re- reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made an idol, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Please highlight all of number 33. Ahab made an idol, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the king of Israel who were before him. And in his days did Hiel, the the Bethelite, build Jericho. He laid the foundation of it in Abraham, the firstborn, and set up the gates of it in his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. So the main thing here in these verses is to see that this is where Jezebel enters into the pictures, in the picture by Marion, by Marion Ahab, okay? Then we see that um, Ahab, uh, we move forward in time, and let's go to the 19th chapter of 1 Kings. Okay? And, and we will go to the 19th chapter, but a little bit of the 18th, go to, go to 18, chapter 18, verse 40. Okay, I'm not going to read all of verse 18, but about chapter 18. Chapter 18 is about where there was the, 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 the contest, so to speak, between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Remember to bring, and Elijah prayed and, and brought down the fire from heaven and so on. And then in verse number eight, uh, 40, it says here, uh, And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape, and they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. All right? So this is where Elijah triumphed over the prophets of Baal. All right, this was a big deal because of the fact that they were, were talking against God and so on. And Elijah said, okay, if your gods be so great, then let's have this playoff here and we'll see who wins out. And, of course, our God won. And then he went on and he, and he uh, killed all of those, those uh, Baal prophets. So then in verse 41 we see here now, And Elijah said unto Ahab, the one who just married Jezebel, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, and he put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there arise a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go, go up. Say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. 
And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Okay, so now, I'm, I'm reading this little bit of the verse, verse, verses, because I want you to see how after he slew the, the prophets of Baal, God was with him and was working miracles through Elijah. So this is a mighty man of God who is indeed being guided by God, and he does exactly what God tells him to do. Then we get here in chapter number 19, verse 1, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had slain all the prophets of the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of the one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life, underlined went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. So now, what are we seeing here? Here we are seeing a mighty man of God who knows that God is all-powerful. He slew, he slew all of those, those uh, demonic prophets, all those prophets of Baal. God told him about the, the, the rain. He prayed about it, and God answered. Elijah did exactly as he told God, as God told him to do. He was a mighty man of God. This evil woman now, understanding what Elijah did, is now all of a sudden sent, sends a threat to him. Sends a threat. And Elijah, this mighty man of God, under this threat, he decides to run. Okay? This is intimidation in the most extreme factor. All right? So, and so it can be with us as we are going forth into this year 2015. God may be sending you on a mission. God may be telling you that you're going to move here. God may be telling you that he's going to move you to a different spiritual level. God may be telling you that there are some other things that are going to be happening. But someone else will come almost out of nowhere and say, oh yeah, you think that's going to happen? I'm going to make life miserable for you, all right? Now, obviously, it most likely will not be in the form of what Jezebel said, but it'll be someone that will be bringing extreme discouragement to you, or will be telling you how you, no way will you be able to do that, and if you try to do that even, your life is going to be miserable. It could be even to the extreme that someone that does not want you to succeed may actually come forth and say that to you, you know, that if you try and do that, then boy, oh boy, you're going to be sorry that you even made that, you even took that step. Now, I all pray that none of us has any one in our lives that would take things to that extreme. But the point that I'm trying to make to you is that in 2015, wherever God is going to be taking you, there would be, could be that controlling spirit with someone that will try and deter you from doing what God is wanting you to do. That will try and stop you from doing what God is telling you to do. Because the enemy out there does not want the things of God to be made manifest. All right? The, the spirit that was driving Jezebel, that became be known as the Jezebel spirit, that controlling spirit, is still very much alive today. And those spirits do not want to see, that spirit does not want to see the things of God succeed. So wherever it can, any place that God has a plan, that spirit of control, that spirit of Jezebel, can enter into your life to sow fear. All right? But we cannot do as Elijah did and then just flee into the mountains. All right? Now, while we don't, many of us don't have mountains to, free to, to flee to, you know, maybe someone here in this podcast on the, the Internet may have a mountain and live up in the country in Oregon, but many of us don't. But what do we do when we get that fear? In our lives, living right here in Salem, you flee to your own internal mountain that is in your head, so to speak, and that is you retreat and you pull back. 
Instead of keeping the courage where God told you you're going to succeed in this new job, you're going to get this house, you're going to be able to graduate, you're going to do whatever it is God is telling you to do, when that Jezebel spirit with someone comes and tells you, don't you dare even try to do that because you're not going to succeed, you're going to fail. So in our heads and in our hearts, we kind of pull back and we go into hiding. You see, we go into hiding. And that hiding can bring along with, with it depression and anxiety and everything else because you're not doing what God is telling you to do. So beware of that controlling spirit as is manifesting here. So then it continues on here now in verse number 4. Um, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, meaning Elijah, to the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baked on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and lay down again. So even during this time here where Elijah was also all of a sudden feeling despondent and feeling like he was a fan and said, Oh, Lord, why don't you take my life? God is providing for him. And God will also do for us. So as the year 2015 starts unfolding, if there comes these um, challenging spots in your life where it, it feels like you just should give up, because this mission that God is sending you on is just not working. It's just being too tough. It's becoming too tough. You have to seek the Lord's face and know that God will provide for you. God will give you sustenance. The same way he sustained Elijah by feeding him, God will give you spiritual sustenance to get you through. All right? So what I'm saying to you is that don't think that 2015 will be without challenge. I'm not saying that. All right? Wherever there's a great work for God to be done, Wherever there's a great work for God to be done, wherever there's a great work for God to be done, there's going to be some opposition. All right? Now, and I'm not saying this to make you feel disappointed and just give up and say, oh, well, why should I even try? It is because of the fact that the enemy is indeed out there, and he has some inklings of what God is going to do. He is not, the enemy is not, Satan is not omniscient. All right? He's not omnipresent either. He can't be in more than one place and all. And he's not, he's not all-knowing like God. But he sees, he has an inkling of what God is doing in the lives of his children. So in 2015, what God is planning for you, there may be some opposition coming against you. But when that opposition does, you better believe the same way God um, sustained and provided for Elijah, God will provide and, 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 and provide for you. Now, this may not necessarily be in the form of food. You know, I'm praying that none of us gets to the point that you've got to be praying for food, but it will certainly be spiritual sustenance to give you the strength to move on, all right? <clears throat> so then we see in verse number 7, and the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee, all right? So after God provided for, for Elijah some sustenance for strength, the angel said, okay, now it's time for you to get up and go. It's time for you to get up and go. If you run into that spot in this journey for 2015, 2015, and you feel like it is becoming too difficult, you pray for you pray to the Lord, you ask Holy Spirit to guide, you ask Lord Jesus to give you the strength. He will give you that spiritual sustenance, and then, it's, then at some point you will hear Holy Spirit say, okay, now, that's enough, okay? Enough of the pity party. Time for you to get up and go because the journey is too great for thee. Now, he acknowledged here that the journey was too great, so why would God say that? Because he wouldn't say that unless he was not going to provide him strength. 
Okay? So there may come a time in 2.15 that you're feeling that this journey, this thing that you are about to do, is too tough for you. But God will indeed give you the strength. He will send an angel to guide you to do whatever it is that he's wanting you to do. Verse number 8, and, and he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came there unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? Okay, so he got up and he went on his journey. God carried him the food and everything, 40 days and 40 nights, and he goes into this cave and he says, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Please in the line, I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, is this you? Could you possibly get to the point where it's going so it's going so wrong and it seems like everyone that is around you is is fleeing from the Lord, you know? And I can say to you that this is not too far-fetched for even us here in the 21st century. Because while you are deeply immersed in the Word of God, while you are deeply following the Word of God, while you are deeply trying to do all that God is telling you to do, there may be others that are around you that are going in the opposite direction that are going so far away from God, it isn't funny. That when you start talking about the Word, or you start talking about Bible study, you start talking about something you read in the Word, Word recently, that they will actually look at you and say, what are you still following that nonsense for? What are you still... Why don't you just give it up? God hasn't answered your prayers. God's not going to answer your prayers. You're not going to be able... You're not going to succeed where everyone else around you may seem like they're deserting God. Or they might be deserting God. Amen? Amen? But what do we do? Do we follow along with them? Do we follow along with them? What did Elijah say here? Um, uh, What did he say? I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. So that means that those people that might be around you that are trying to discourage you from following the word of God, well, hopefully they're not physically trying to kill you, but they can certainly, you know, be looking at you and giving you all sorts of bad looks and not wanting to speak to you, maybe calling you names or whatever, you you know, but still looking at you, you with disdain in their hearts and in their eyes, you see? Then he goes on and says, in verse number 11, and he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Go forth and stand in the mount before the Lord. So what, what he's saying there is to go forth and be prepared to hear from me. All right. As we go on our journeys and we are running into opposition like this and we are seeking the face of the Lord, many times God will say to you, go forth and stand and wait. You see? But you need to recognize when Holy Spirit is talking to you and telling you to go forth and stand and wait. Nothing that God does in our lives, it does he simply say, I'm going to do this and then leave us to, to, to fend for ourselves. Amen? So many times it's a matter of him saying in 2015, you're going to be doing this, you're going to be doing that. And when the um, distraction comes or when the discouragement comes, then God says, stand and wait. He says, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. For us, that would be going into our prayer closets. For us, that would be seeking God's face. All right? And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Please in the line, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. 
but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Underline, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Please underline, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Please underline, a still, small voice. Remember the scripture, Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Be still and know that I am God. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? Please underline that again. What doest thou here, Elijah? So he was asking Elijah, Why are you hiding? When the challenges of 2015 come your way, and you're asking God for answers. Now, God can do whatever he wants to do, but what I'm saying to you is that don't be held back waiting for some earth-shaking, rumbling voice, you know, to scream out to you, you know, Kathy, I am spoken, and the room around you rumbling, you know. You know don't expect some outrageous, natural events to be happening, necessarily, for God to be speaking to you. But when you're asking God for an answer to this thing in 2015 that's giving you a challenge, to this mission is giving you a challenge, look for that still, small voice. So many times when we are all stirred up in our spirits, the thing for us to do is after we have prayed to God, is to listen deeply and quietly within our spirits for that still, small voice. You see? You see? And, and don't be worrying about tomorrow, today. You know, what does the scripture in Matthew says uh, uh, about uh, um, who can grow a hair on your head by worrying and, and the, don't worry about tomorrow for the things of today have enough for itself. You, you know, don't, you can't solve tomorrow today. So don't be worrying about tomorrow today. So when that issue in 2015 that may come your way because of that Jezebel controlling spirit that's out there trying to stop you, amen, when you are praying to the Lord, what should I do, where shall I go, in first place, come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. You're a child of the living God. We don't hide. We don't hide. Elijah was a mighty man of God who performed many miracles, but yet still even he too was, was, um, was uh, attacked by that, that spirit of fear. Simply because that controlling spirit said, I'm going to destroy you and make you just as miserable as those prophets that you destroyed. He went into hiding. You see? So while that may be an instinct almost for us as human beings, because there is fear and anxiety in our lives to just want to fold up and hide, God is saying to us, what are you doing there in that cave? What are you doing? You're my son. You're my daughter. You don't hide. You don't hide away in caves. Yes, I have a mission for you. I have a, I have a trip for you. I have a journey for you. I have a plan for you. And if I'm going to send you forward to do that plan in 2015, I'm not going to send you there ill-equipped. I'm not going to just send you out on your own. I'm not going to send you into the darkness of the night into a forest by yourself. I'm not going to send you out among the wolves without means. I'm not going to do that to you. So why are you here? Why are you hiding? You see? You see? But this is the place that we all wind up getting to because we're all human beings, because we know what the Word of God said. We've been prayed over. We've been prophesied over. We've heard the Word of God, and we know we leave here for after service. We're all pumped and we're good to go. But then come Monday morning, after we're outside of the sanctuary, and then the enemy shows his ugly face, what do we do? Many times we fold like a cheap suit, and we run into hiding. So God is saying here, why are you hiding? Well, Lord, speak to me, speak to me. Let me hear your presence. Let me hear the rafters shake. 
Let me look out my window and just see a burning bush. Let me see some sign. And what God will do will speak to you in a still, small voice. You see? But if you are so busy running, you're so busy moving, trying to do it yourself, you're not going to hear God's still voice. Oh, Pastor, I'm not running. I'm sitting in my chair worrying. Well, you're running. You're running. Because your mind is so busy, God is trying to talk to you in that still, small voice, and you are not being still to know that He is God. So you can't hear Him. Amen? Amen? So why are you hiding? But doest thou hear, Elijah? In verse number 14, it goes on and it says, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine, thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. This guy is having a pity party galore. You know, he says, I'm the only one left. And they slain all these people, and I am the only one left. Verse 15 says, And the Lord said unto him, Go! Go! Underline go. Go! Here comes the assignment. Go! Return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you come, uh, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou announce to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shephat, and Abedamanoah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy stead. Please underline or highlight all of that, 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 uh, ver- those three verses there. Okay, and the Lord said to him, go. Okay? This is where God is sending him on a mission. So after you've had this pity party and God, you're looking for that still small voice, then God says, here is what I want you to do. Verse 17. And it shall come to pass that him that escapes the sword of Hazael shall, slay, shall Jehu slay, and him that escaped the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. And every mouth which has not kissed him. So he sends him, he sends him um, on a mission here. And, and, uh, and he, 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 Elijah like, tries to like, get himself together. So what we're seeing here now, to trace it back, we're seeing what happened. Elijah, man of, uh, of God, Elijah, being threatened by that controlling spirit, Jezebel. And how God had to minister to him to help him to, uh, to get his act together. Then it continues now. We move forward to, um, uh, let's go to Kings 21. All because of that controlling spirit that sends the threat. Kings 21, 1 Kings 21. We see that the hand of the Lord was still on Elijah. And we go to verse number 1. This is, this is showing how this controlling spirit of Jezebel, how it manipulates, how it can manipulate just to get its own way. Okay? And it came to pass, verse 1, and it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, close to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spoke unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house, and I will give it thee for a better vineyard than it. Or if it seem, seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid me 
that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Please underline that. The Lord forbid me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house sullen and displeased, because the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers, and he lay down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no food. So he got mad because this guy would not sell him his his property. All right? But Jezebel, verse 5, but Jezebel his wife, underlined, but Jezebel his wife came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no food? And he said unto her, Because I spoke unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said unto him, Dost thou know... Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat food, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Please underline that. I give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So here there is someone now whose will, that he's following God's will not to give up his property. God told him not to do so. In the meantime, now her husband, Ahab, you know, came back and was sulking like a spoiled brat. She comes along and she says, I will, I will, I will, I will. So now she's inserting herself into, into the picture. No one asked her to do this. Her husband certainly didn't ask her to do this. But this is Jezebel. And she decides now that she's going to insert herself into the picture. You can be on a mission for God in 2015. And you're doing what God is telling you to do. And then out of left field comes someone whose business is not even theirs that may decide that they want to insert their business in your life to try and stop what God is telling you to do. God told this man here, he says, God said, do not sell my property, do not give my property to you. But this woman, this Jezebel spirit, this controlling spirit, wants to insert her will, her will. That same controlling spirit, that Jezebel spirit, is very much alive in the world today. And as I said earlier on when I was opening, that is prevalent in business. It's in the schools. It's in your home. It's in churches. It's in industry. I mean, it's all over the place. Wherever there is someone or that spirit that wishes to control and especially to undo something that God is trying to do. Okay? So she says, uh, um, um, I will give thee verse number eight. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name. Look at that. She wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. Please underline that. She wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And sealed them with his seal. And sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles who were in his city, dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a fast and let Naboth on high, and set Naboth on high among the people. And set two men, worthless fellows, before him, to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God in the king, and then carry him out and stone him, that he may die. You see what she's setting up here? She said, first of all, she wrote a letter using her husband's stationery and his seal, saying, this is what I want you to do, and to have these men stand up and say that he blasphemed God. This is setting, setting this poor man up, setting him up, because she wanted to have her way. <clears throat> and the men of the city, even the elders and nobles who were in the inhabitants of the city, did as Jezebel did as Jezebel had sent unto them. Please in the line, did as Jezebel had sent unto them. And as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them. 
they proclaimed the fast, set Naboth on high among the people. And there came in two men, worthless fellows, <laughs> and sat before him. And the worthless men witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. They carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Please highlight all of that. So here, they lied. They actually told this lie based on Jezebel. We could probably stand here for hours thinking about Washington, D.C. <laughs> we could probably stand here for hours thinking about how this plays itself out in the world. Amen. She told a blatant out-and-out lie, all of, this, all of this because she wanted to be in, in control to get that land. And she had it in for this fellow, you see. So this is that Jezebel spirit, that controlling spirit that is very much alive today. You know? Now, of course, we all pray that there would nothing be in our lives. We would have anyone plotting that much against us to go to those lengths. But there are certain people that, will, that may try to, to divert or pervert God's will in your life by going about trying to make you look bad or whatever it might be. But all I'm saying to you is that recall what God did with Elijah when he was in the cave. God will indeed provide, God will watch over you, and God will be indeed bring you through. He told a lie. Uh, verse number 14. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. And it came to pass, when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. And it came to pass, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. All right, so now we see what this evil woman did and how this man, uh, this man Ahab, uh, also uh, in, in, in Christian uh, uh, circles, if you're, you're studying, you know, demonic activity and names and so on like that, there's also a spirit that is called an Ahab spirit. And it is that Ahab spirit is that spirit that would be subservient and giving in to that controlling spirit. And many times you will see that. You can see that in relationships. You can see it in corporations. You can see it in some churches where there is a Jezebel spirit. There is also an Ahab spirit, which is someone that is giving in and being guided by that controlling spirit. So in 2015, as we are indeed going forth and doing what God wants us to do, we are to make sure that we ourselves are not... Um, don't fall prey to that Jezebel, that controlling spirit. So in closing here, in uh, 2 Kings, <clears throat> in 2 Kings chapter 9, you see, two Kings chapter 9, uh, I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 30. See, now don't forget now, this is, this is a spirit that is in operation in a human being, okay? I mean, Jezebel is not, is, is not supernatural herself. It is, it is that evil controlling spirit that is manipulating and driving her or possessing her or, or whatever the case might be. So in verse number 30, And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And she painted her face and attired her head and looked out through a window. And as Jehu entered in at the gate, she said, Had Zimri peace who slew his master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out at him two or three eunuchs. And he said, 
throw her down. So they threw her down. And some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod her underfoot. And when he was come, he did eat and drink and said, Go, see now this cursed woman, and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore, when, wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord which he spoke by his servant, Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. Please line that. In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the carcass of Jezebel shall be as refuse upon the face uh, upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, "This is Jezebel." So God wound up taking care of her, of her who was being so evil in 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 uh, letting that spirit that was dominating her and controlling her to make her such a controlling woman. And so what I'm saying through all of this in 2015, so that we are not closing on the negative side here. I mean, God is absolutely the one that's always in, in control. When we are going through 2015 and God has us on this plan, has us on this mission, has us doing whatever it is that he's sending us to do, that that controlling spirit will, will most likely rise its ugly head. Recognize it for what it is. Recognize it. Do not feel demoralized. Do not feel discouraged. Do not, quote unquote, run into your cave in hiding. You know, when you feel that opposition and opposition, again, it could come from family, friends, co-workers, whatever the case may be, you know, associates, acquaintances. It may come at you and try and trying to control what it is that God is wanting you to do, try and discourage you, try and be devious. And this is another reason that we need to make sure that we are always in prayer so that Holy Spirit is guiding us. You see, you know, and, and I know I can speak from experience over the many, many years that when there were challenges coming up in my life and there were those that were in opposition to me. There were many times that Holy Spirit gave me little insights into people and it's the oddest, the strangest kind of thing because you will be around that person or in conversation with that person and all of a sudden this, this, this knowledge will just come over you and I, it's hard to articulate in words but you will just all, all of a sudden you'll kind of know I need to watch this person or I need to listen very carefully to what this person is saying, or I need not to do what this person is saying. And this is Holy Spirit ministering to you. But if you're not taking time in your life during the course of the day to be still and know that God is God, then many times you will not hear that still small voice where God is trying to warn you, where God is trying to tell you, don't take the word of so-and-so as gospel. You know, Don't go following behind them, eating up everything that they say, hook, line, and sinker. Don't be so quick to follow. Be, be very, very cautious because that controlling spirit would love to get you to think the way it thinks or to think the way they think. They will try and tell you, you know, that there's no such, uh, no such part of the Bible as the book of Genesis. <laughs> you know, something is really, really outlandish as that. But because of the fact that they're trying to control you, they want you to think and behave as they think and behave. Okay? And get you out there by getting you out of the will of God. Amen? Amen? So, praise God. Do not fall. Do not fall. Pray to it. Stay in the Word and you will indeed be okay. I pray this message has been a blessing to you. And now before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.